Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Time to sink our teeth into some royal blood. It is episode 435 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. And no, 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 don't, it's not weird. We're talking about Vampire Academy this week. The series is going to be premiering this coming Thursday, September the 15th on Peacock. First four episodes is going to premiere. Got a chance to talk to some of the members of the cast at Comic-Con this year, and I've been waiting to share these interviews with you. Can't wait. Daniela Nieves, Andre De Kim, also Sissy Stringer, and Kieran Moore are going to join me to talk about the many interesting aspects of this show, whether you're a fan of the books or not. Oh, I'm sure that you're really going to love Vampire Academy. Also, it's been Dis- Disney Plus Day has come and gone, so let's talk about some of those things. Got Thor Love and Thunder to review this week. Also going to talk about Cars on the Road. Going to take a break from Disney as well to talk about Monarch, the new show that's going to be coming up on Fox this Sunday. Is it Yellowstone-esque? I'll let you know that and plenty more coming up. A lot of interesting nerd news to discuss. So let's not just keep talking about it. Let's do it. Let's get to the stars of Vampire Academy. My interviews with them are next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hello, this is Ennis Esmer from Blindspot on NBC and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Will the very popular Vampire Academy book series become a very popular series for Peacock? Time will tell, but the series is going to be premiering on Thursday, September the 15th, and I got a chance at, at Comic-Con to sit down with some members of the cast to talk about their characters coming up on this show. And I actually want to start big with Daniela Nieves and Andre De Kim. Of course, you know their characters have a very interesting relationship. So let's start off with hearing them talk about building chemistry on the show. Chemistry is such an interesting thing, right? Like, you sometimes either have it or you don't. And I think that Julie Plek and Marguerite, like, they're just these amazing women that clearly know what they're doing when it comes to casting these roles. And I think it just worked for all of us. Like, I think it just clicked. Like, as soon as I met Andre, like, we clicked instantly. We went to get, like, yeah, we went to get Gioses in Madrid. And it was, like, the conversation was just flowing. Like, it was, like, we just clicked immediately. And now we're, like, amazing friends yeah. that um oh, amazing friends yeah i could say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seriously he is an amazing friend like he's literally someone that you can go to no matter what like just super open and sweet 
I feel the same way about Deviana. She's been a support system that, like, you know, I'm so happy I have her. And I need someone that I actually needed, you know? I, I think if I had any other Lissa, I might have been a different person coming out of this. This show is called Vampire Academy for a reason. So one of the questions was, is this actually going to feel like we're in a school in the show? There are classrooms. Yeah, there are classrooms. there are classroom yeah. scenes. <laughs> there, are, there are things that, like, I feel like we're both trying not to, like, spoil it too much. But yeah. there are definitely, like, this feels like we're in a school. And more importantly, like, a vampire school of things that you guys will see yeah. as well. Yeah, and it's also hard, too, because we've created, like, a whole world, you know? So it's, it's not... It couldn't possibly be like a regular, you know, high school and because it's like these, these vampires go to school to learn how to sur survive in the society, essentially. And, and what the Dompiers have to do is just basically train all day while the Maroi study about magic and like read their old Maroi scripts or whatever. So I think it, it does. We do feel like our age and we but we also very much feel like we're a part of this world that's unlike anything you've ever seen. When I got a chance to ask a question to Daniela and Andre, I had to go back to the whole chemistry thing because I felt like their characters came from such different places and building that chemistry and how that worked out. So I want to go ahead and ask them about that. We talked about chemistry a little bit ago. Your characters come from very different places, very different backgrounds. All what was it do you think that drew them together? I think it's almost like, it's, it sounds kind of bad to say, but like shared like pain, you know, and then a shared resentment for some of the things that they don't like about the society that they're within. And But like also an underlying you know, like hope, you know, to, to, to the belief in good people and the belief that people can be good, even in this world that they live in. Yeah, and they both are royals in, in this society, yeah. and there's a lot of expectations behind that, and then they both become the head of their family, which brings more responsibility and they both kind of have a very similar perspective of like, you think this is lame too? I think this is lame. Yeah. Like, I hate this, you know? And just, I think that really brings them together and also that shared thing of, I think we're like one of the youngest people that are the heads of our families. Everyone else is coming from this really traditional way of viewing the Dominion. And I think little by little, the young people kind of start to band together and be like, yeah, this is really messed up. Why is this institution kind of setting us up to just always win and the people that we love and care about lose. So I think that and their shared pain that they both just lost their families. There's just a sense of I see you, you see me, and we don't even need to talk about it. We just get it. Yeah, exactly. Anytime you have a show like this, you're always going to talk about book versus show, right? So yeah, somebody had to ask, of course, because Andre read the books, is there, are there going to be any Easter eggs to look for or fans of the books going to be happy with this show? Here's what he thinks. Oh, there'll definitely be some Easter eggs. I don't want to go into detail about them, but I think people who are fans of the book will definitely go that and be like, oh, I'm so glad that's in there. My favorite scene, personally, was, uh, without spoiling too much, is all the scenes that, that I got to use the elemental magic in. I mean, there's no little kid that doesn't grow up wanting to be like a superhero and shoot fire <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, that was a dream come true for me. Oh my god, that was amazing. There's like a scene where he like comes in, saves the day with his fire, and he literally just goes <laughs> and it was like oh my god Andre's a superhero just right like, now just like that yeah. Yeah. and make the sound effects yeah. to him like, <laughs> like yep we're keeping that in there yeah exactly <laughs> producers are like you know we make those sounds you don't have to do that I'm like got it got it he's <laughs> like please it helps me get into character <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I hope that fans are really going to love, because as an actor, when I was getting the scripts, I think the thing I was most excited about was the bonds between Lissa and Ro, 
shows because it is just because they're like soulmates um, spiritually, like they love each other that much. But there's also a literal reason that makes them bond the way that they do. And so I'm really, really excited to see fans' reactions about how that's going to unfold and the details behind all of that, I think they're going to be like so shocked and so uh, they're going to love it. So. so speaking of Rose, how about we talk to Cece Stringer who plays Rose on the show and of course Kieran Moore who plays Dimitri and again they have a very interesting relationship but the first question for them was about the physical nature of their roles because they, you know, they get to kick a little bit of ass. So somebody got a chance to ask them about that and the stunts that were involved. Here was the answer to that. Like Kieran says, like we, we come from different physical backgrounds, you know, but we all have a little bit of experience in that kind of thing. So like I was a dancer growing up and he, he's been a boxer. And so we bring those individual strengths in and we just have this amazing stunt team and they teach us fights and they train us and they teach us elements of martial arts and you know we do stunts here and there and get on a wire or whatever but it's kind of I don't know stylistically what would you say? Um, I think it's elements of everything really there's different kind of mixed martial arts but I think the physical toll is something that was kind of like suck up and do it because we oh, yeah. needed to do it and like but no it was it was everyone like every day that we're not filming we're in yeah, the gym she, yeah. and like, they're training this, us this talented individual to my right she was on set a lot more than me you know she yeah, was, yeah, so yeah. she was finding the time in between we think we got pretty good at it we're getting pretty yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Learning by pretty the last month I was on yeah. top of it I was absolutely <laughs> smashing it yeah. first few months not so much I mean I came in hot and cocky because I was like yeah I did Mortal Kombat like but don't worry guys I've got this step aside and then fell flat on my face for three months but thank god I had Drew Drew Liner there with me as well he was super supportive because we most of my first fights were with him me and uh, Rose and Mason facing off in, in class so he was really great and he, he was he's an absolute natural to it as well I mean so is Kieran so I was say yes yeah, it's Drew but then, then her real trainer comes in and we had oh, this great bond and then we found this beautiful thing together you know uh, oh my god don't give anything yeah. away I think that's, I think that's the beauty, that's no the beauty spoilers. of spoilers and since Kieran kind of opened the door there let's hear them talk about that relationship a little bit interesting enough I think Rose and Dimitri through the books find their relationship through the, the training I think that's where we think we spent so much time together yeah, where it's kind dude. of like yeah. you do you become a little bit in sync right you think oh like, absolutely I don't want to give anything yeah. away but let's just say that they, they are absolutely in sync at times and they Dimitri and Rose really play off each other and they find a way to fight together that is just what do you say? Complicite? Oh, I don't know. That sounds I think nice. That's, <laughs> I think that's a clowning term. Okay. It's kind of like when improvers say yes and. It's yeah. just kind of being in sync and, and you know, working off of each other's I'm energy write and all that. that. One down, that <laughs> can you spell that for me? Um, I like that. Um, well, yeah, he definitely took his toll as well because he was obviously that thing of like, there was a bit of a pressure as well. You're playing like a six foot seven Russian god in the books, yeah. you know? It was kind of like, yeah. well, I'm not six foot seven. I was like, you guys are all really oh, tall. Oh, the rest Can of I? the rest of us are so short. You look six. Yeah, seven. until a lot of the other dumb players come in. I'm like, oh, damn high. Um, but yeah, so I think a lot of the time I wasn't training. I was also in the gym, and there was dumbbells in my trailer. There was a lot of chicken and rice. Yeah, it was. Uh, but you know what? That's the beauty of it. Is that, is that there's a bit of responsibility you're playing. And Drew, Drew said this a lot. He plays Mason. It's 
these people are bred to protect, to fight. There's a, there's a, there's a physical attribute that comes with that, Absolutely. be it discipline and be it sort of imposingness. Can we all bring to life it's, our cards? It's funny though, because like, because of the way that we're split up in the cast, you know, the difference between the Maroi, particularly the Royals and the Dampiers is like, we, even even off screen, you know, the Dampiers are in the gym yeah, training, yeah. and the Roy's are going to costume fittings, putting on Valentino, and really being like, like "How rich do I really look?" Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And we're in the gym sweating and stuff, and they're like, "So I tried these designer shoes, and they didn't fit." Like, you yeah, know, there's a, a really good insight into the classes. Right? Right? We come in like to work. We've got sore shoulders and bruises. One thing, and stuff. No, never any injuries. No, we, we did it safely. We did well. I mean, a couple of ones. Oh, oh, I a left close. a few bruises on Drew. He wasn't happy about that. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to mention the, <laughs> the, the, the right hands. He accidentally awful. punched me in the face oh, one time. Talk about the time you accidentally punched me in the face. And I posted yeah. it on Instagram, and he was like, "How could you do this? The fans think you're serious, and now they're messaging me, being like, How could you? I was joking, babe. I was yeah, no, joking.' As you can tell, it doesn't take much to kind of get them on a roll. But I mean, that's just this cast. And this show, this show just starts off on such a roll. And that's one of the things about a show, if you've never seen it before, if you're not familiar with the story, you need to start well. This one starts really well, not just with some good backstory, but some good, like there's political intrigue there. There's sort of a class system that goes on there as well. And literal classes, you know, you get to see that it is still a school and you get to see some great friendships, some very interesting relationships. There's a lot of things at play in Vampire Academy, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like it's too much either. As somebody who hasn't read the books, I can't speak to that. But I will speak to the fact that this is a show that I was looking forward to and that it almost feels like a young adult version of like a Game of Thrones, but also mixed with like a little bit of the schoolhouse nature of like a Harry Potter or something like that, if that makes sense. Maybe more like the magicians than Harry Potter. If I'm really putting it, if I'm really being honest, but at the same time, you get the school uh, school aspect, but you also get a lot of different political intrigue and power struggles and things like that in the show as well. And, you know, maybe even a little bit of betrayal, but, you know, I don't want to give too much away about these first four episodes of Vampire Academy. The whole season going to be streaming soon on Peacock. September the 15th is when the first four episodes are streaming on Peacock. And I really think you're going to look forward to it. Again, thanks to the amazing cast of Vampire Academy for joining me at Comic-Con. Daniela Nieves and Andre de Kim, Sissy Stringer, and Kieran Moore. I can't wait for you guys to see what they bring to the table in this show. Up next, how about a spoiler-filled review of Thor Love and Thunder? It's now on Disney+, Plus, also on Digital HD. Going to be coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, and 4K here pretty soon as well. My spoiler-filled review of that movie is finally happening next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Kirsty Bryan from Tales of the Walking Dead, and you're listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast. There are some big premieres this week for Disney Plus Day, so I decided to go ahead and finally give my spoiler-filled review of Thor Love and Thunder. I should let you know that Walt Disney and Marvel Studios did give me a free copy of Thor Love and Thunder on digital HD for this review. All opinions expressed are my own also available on disney plus by the way it'll also be coming out on a blu-ray dvd 4k and all that good stuff on september the 27th so this is my spoiler field review because the movie's been out for a while and so just be aware of that i'm not going to spoil the ending or anything because that's that's not a cool thing to do but just 
I'm not going to drop a whole lot of spoilers either. Just going to give you my overall impressions. But, you know, the first thing I thought of was, first of all, visually, this movie is beautiful. It really, really is. It's it shot so well. It's so colorful. There's so many moments that pop. The action was really, really good. They actually jazzed up the CGI a little bit for the Disney Plus and the digital release. So they went back and they did a little bit more work. So if, you, if, you, if you've already seen it on digital HD and you notice that something looked a little different, they, they definitely touched it up. A little bit from when it was in the theater, at least from what I was told anyway, because I didn't see it in the theater. So they have jazzed it up a little bit. But I will say that visually, I like what they did. Story-wise, I don't know. I was torn a little bit because is it fun? Sure, it's fun. And that's and that's uh, you know that's a good thing to a certain extent. It wasn't as fun as, as Ragnarok was. And I think one of the reasons that Ragnarok was more fun was because at the time when Taika Waititi took over Thor, it felt so fresh, it was different. The story made sense. The The way that the story was structured was so great. And I think that now it doesn't feel as fresh. And you go, okay, we kind of got this already. And it's not as funny as Ragnarok was. I don't think a lot of the jokes landed on this. And I actually found myself focusing on something else rather than the actual story at hand. I thought the whole... Jane Foster, of course, this is from the comics and her getting cancer and everything. I thought they'd focused a little bit more on that aspect. And and I know they did from time to time in the movie, but if they'd have focused a little bit more on that and made it a little bit more serious of a movie overall, I think it, they would have been better off. And I maybe you don't want the focus to necessarily be on her, but don't you a little bit, right? You know, you bring Natalie Portman back to the franchise for, for the first time in forever, and then all of a sudden... You know, you, you kind of don't know who you want to make the movie about. You're making it about Thor trying to find himself again. Obviously, you're making about it about Gore as well and a great performance by Christian Bale there. But I found myself wanting more of the Natalie Portman story. Not necessarily, you know, just her journey I thought was a more interesting story to tell. And they kind of didn't tell that as much or in the way that I would have liked. Anyway, I thought her and Tessa Thompson, the teaming up between Jane and Valkyrie, I loved that. I could have definitely gotten more of that. And I, I felt that way in the trailer, too, and that really came across in the actual movie itself. So I would have liked to get more of that, too. It just, I don't know, something about this seemed like there were so many missed opportunities. And while I thought Gore was a good villain, and I thought that, you know, the look was really good, but at the same time, in the beginning of the movie, they kind of show you how... You know, Gore is very, very religious at the time, and he's praying to the god to save his daughter, and and then that doesn't go well, and he's starving, and once he finally gets through, and these are the this is the biggest spoiler I'm going to give you, and it's the right at the beginning of the movie, he gets through, and he he actually meets this god, and he's eating one of the melons, and the god says something in the lines of this, you know, peasant's eating my food, and you know that's not cool, and the guy's got like a thousand melons, and all he could have done, all he had to do was either let him eat it or give him some food, and they probably would have been good, and I'm like so. If he get, if this guy gives Gore half a melon, this whole movie doesn't happen and we roll credits, sort of thing. And maybe I do get the focus on Jane Foster that I want, and it's a different movie. So it was just weird that, you know, that was the breaking point. I mean, also with, you know, what happened with his daughter and, you know, the, the life that he led up to that point and how much he struggled, that was more of the motivation for it. But the fact that they made that the tipping point, I thought was a little bit lame unfortunately, and it wasn't funny, and it just didn't land with me. 
his motivations were 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 I thought in a weird way, you, you kind of understand why he's upset, but I don't know that I need that in my villains. We do that a little bit too much with the villains nowadays. We try to make them relatable and understandable. I don't want to understand. Villains are supposed to be villains, right? You can give them depth without making me try to agree with them. You know what I mean? That just doesn't seem like something that really needs to be done. So I thought that that was a little weird. I thought that the, the story was kind of all over the place. The fact that they had to go you know, rescue the kids that were kidnapped for New Asgard, I thought that was a decent motivation. But I also thought that was an interesting thing for Gore to do. Yeah, it was a trap, and it was just to get Stormbreaker. I get that, okay? There was, there was a means to an end for that. That wasn't the entirety of the plot of the movie. I'm just saying that the, the way things were structured were, were definitely a bit off for me, and that, and that made it kind of off-putting and hard for me to kind of want to keep my focus on this. But at the same time, I mean, you got Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I mean, I could watch him as Thor in, in like five more movies. I just think he's so great in that role, and any version of that role that he's in, whether it be more serious or it be something you know on the lighter side like this is, I, I'm up for that. And I, I didn't expect to want more of Natalie Portman's Mighty Thor, but I really do. I think her story is interesting and I hope we get to see a little bit more of that. Tessa Thompson is Valkyrie again. That's another character that I love. So this has so many these you have so many good characters. And I like Taika Waititi overall, but like this particular structure of this movie and how it was written and how it was portrayed, it just didn't land for me like it really wanted to. Was it bad? No. This is what I call a background movie. One of those movies where you know, you're not going to sit down and intently watch it again, probably. But it's one of those movies that you'd throw on in the background while you're doing stuff. And it's fun. And there's certain moments where you're going to look up and want to watch it because they're fun or they're cool or there's some good action or something like that. But it's not one of those ones where I would sit down and intently want to watch it again. And I just think you tried to capture the magic of Ragnarok a second time and you just couldn't quite do it. And there were times where you were trying to decide what kind of a story you wanted to tell and whose story you wanted to tell. And I think that for me personally, I don't know how you feel. I'm over the whole, let's have, let's figure out Thor finding himself in his place in the world. I think that after over a decade, I think we should kind of have had that answer already. And that's not really an angle that we need to play. And do we need that answer? Do you need that answer to be able to enjoy another Thor movie? I don't. You know, I really don't. I want him to be exactly who he is and what he is and and just let that be what it is. Now, the, the end credits teaser was very interesting. And what happens with Zeus in the movie is very interesting and how that kind of sets up. Uh, again, I'm not going to spoil the end credits teaser. And if you've already seen it in the theater, you probably know this already, but I'm not going to be the guy that spoils it for you if you haven't seen it yet. That sets up a potential interesting storyline going forward. And we know that Thor is going to be back in some capacity. And what that's going to look like, I don't know yet. But I'm very interested to see where his story could go and the tenor of that story moving forward and who's going to be writing it and directing it too because I don't know if Taika Waititi is going to be back or not. That remains to be seen. But again, not a bad movie, not a great movie. Just kind of one of those middle-of-the-road type things for me. So there was stuff I liked about it. Stuff I didn't, but definitely worth watch. Glad I finally got a chance to see it. Thor Love and Thunder, now available on Digital HD and on Disney Plus and on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K, and all those combo packs. 
coming out on September the 27th from Marvel Studios and Walt Disney Home Entertainment. That's going to do it for my spoiler-filled review of Thor Love and Thunder. Up next, we'll keep the Disney Plus Day stuff rolling and talk about cars on the road. I'll do that one spoiler-free for you next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. This is Ray Chase, the voice of Noctis in Final Fantasy XV, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hitting the road with Lightning McQueen and Mater. Cars on the Road is now streaming on Disney+. Plus. I wanted to give a spoiler-free review of this. I know it came out on Disney Plus Day. On this past Thursday, so I, I still want to do it spoiler-free. And there's really not much that I can reveal about this if I'm going to do it that way. I'm just going to give you my overall impressions of the show. First of all, I mean, it, it's just fun to see these characters back again, especially Owen Wilson and Larry the Cable Guy back as Lightning and Mater, respectively. Just the chemistry between the two of them. It's like they never laughed, it seems like, really. But this show, if, if I'm being honest, it's just fun. Especially if you really like these characters anyway. And one of the cool things about this is if you're going to bring something like this back, like Cars, they've done three movies already. And this shows, I mean, this property's certainly been all over the place over the years. It's nice to bring them outside of their comfort zone a little bit more. Yes, it is a road trip. You know, Mater's sister, they didn't even know she had, he had a sister. She's getting married. They're going to the wedding. They decided to make a road trip out of it and travel across the country, and they see and do all these crazy things along the way. That's the gist of the show. And what's great about that is is the little stops that they make along the way are what makes this show fun. And, you know, it's it's almost like a best friend's road trip that you'd see, almost like a buddy comedy type of thing. But at the same time, it puts them in unique situations and situations that you haven't seen them in in past movies. And that's the beauty of this show for somebody who might have been a longtime fan of these movies, it's like, oh, you know what? This is different, especially when you've already had three movies, right? And you want to do something that seems fresh. This seemed fresh to me. I also love that the episodes are actually really short. They, this is perfect for the short attention span generation, especially my kids. And I'm speaking for my children who have a hard time sitting through almost anything. This is one And even if you've got kids that have a hard time sitting through even one episode of a show, these are like 10-minute episodes. It's almost like like a, a short, each one's a short, almost. I'm not saying that it is, but that's kind of what it feels like. So you can get through these really, really quickly, and you might not binge the whole thing in one sitting, or maybe you will, but certainly you could get through a few of these before the kids are are off doing something else. And you know, you know how kids are. It's not because it's not good. It's because, you know, kids are sometimes on to the next thing, regardless of whether something's good or not. 
But they'll come. This is the key to me with kids, and I can say this as a dad, is even if they don't sit through like the whole show or a whole movie or something like that in one sitting, do you come back to it and watch the episodes again? And to me, this is one where I could see my kids coming back and watching these episodes again. Because even if you're not a fan of, of cars, or even if you're, if you're like a casual fan of cars, you're not a super fan, this isn't something you were super looking forward to, this feels different enough that I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. There's also winks and nods to movies that you might not expect, especially in a kid's show, like The Shining. Would you expect a nod to The Shining in Cars on the Road? No? Well, you're going to get one. I can tell you that right now. It's just the, the, the fun things that they get to do with these characters, especially things like for adults that kids might not notice, but you're going to notice, especially if you're of a certain age, and I hate, to, I hate that expression, but certainly that's the case. Or if you just like really popular classic movies, you're going to find little winks and nods here and there to things that you're not expecting. And yes, they do eventually get to this wedding and, you know, you kind of get to meet the family sort of thing. And you just you get drawn into this friendship as the show goes on. And it's that's one of the really, really fun things about this as well. It's just that friendship between Lightning and Mater, which is super fun. So if you love these characters over the years, this certainly not going to be any different. I could tell you that right now. And, And it might even make you love these characters a little bit more. And it just is another example of how Disney has taken these movies and done these things. They did this with Monsters at Work as well. Taken very popular movies, especially Disney and Pixar, created these series and really made it work to, to freshen things up again for, sh- for movies that have been out for a while or series of movies that have been done and still making things feel fresh, especially on Disney Plus and just bringing one more thing that fans can love. And that's, to me, what Cars on the Road is now streaming on Disney Plus. I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of Cars on the Road. Up next, we'll go away from Disney a bit and talk about a new show that's going to be premiering on Fox this Sunday. It's called Monarch. My spoiler-free review of that one is next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Jessica Lucas from Gotham, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Fall TV season is here, and it actually feels like fall TV season for the first time in a while. And here's a show that might fly under your radar and I'll let you know whether it should or not. And that is Monarch from Fox. Now, I know you see this show on the surface. Maybe you've seen the previews for it. It's about the this family, the Roman family, and the matriarch, who is played by Susan Sarandon. You've got Dottie Roman, and you've got Albie Roman, who played by country music superstar Trace Adkins. Now, I say country music, and automatically you go, oh, maybe, right? Maybe you're just not a fan of country music, and you're like, why are you talking about this? What's the deal? Why would I even bother with this show? Look past the musical aspect of this show. If you love country music, there's, there's certainly plenty of music involved in this, and you, the, you'll, you'll love that, I'm sure. But even if you don't love country music, there's a lot of intrigue involved in this show. Think of Yellowstone and Empire crossed together as a show, and that's kind of what you have here with Monarch, because... Dottie, Susan Sarandon's character, is kind of at the end of her musical legacy. And it's time for her to pass down the legacy. Now, the the name Roman is synonymous in the music business on this show. 
and they've actually kind of like built up their own record label and everything. And they're trying to figure out, okay, who's going to be the next generation? Who's going to be the next one to kind of carry on the family name? And the, the daughters, Nikki and Gigi, could be a part of that. Now you've got Nikki, who's kind of the 40-year-old who's been waited for her time in the spotlight. And then there's Gigi, who's very much shied away from the spotlight. She's like, I don't want anything to do with it or anything like that. Spoiler-free review, by the way. I'm not going to give away anything on this show. But you've got the two sisters who are an option. But then you've also got Luke Roman, who sort of runs the Monarch Records. He's the CEO. He's not in the, in, in the performing musical spotlight at all. But there's plenty of secrets in this family. And there's competitiveness involved there. And there's a lot of pressure because think about being the pinnacle of your profession, your family. So now you're the one that's expected to step in and just carry on the family name. And that's a big part of what this show is about. Not to mention there's others that kind of see, you know, the shark circling the waters, so to speak, saying, okay, well, if she's out, we need to try and take her spot. We need to try and this is a good time to try and take this family down. So there's also that aspect of it that you absolutely cannot ignore either. And you see a couple of things, like right away in the beginning of this first episode, I will tell you that there is something that will really grab your attention. You're thinking, what's the deal with this? So you get a little tease there. Then you get the meat of the first episode. Then you get another tease at the end. So almost, it's almost like you got good bookend teases that are involving the same character too, by the way. I can tell you that much. But do not just brush this aside because you say, oh, this is just about country music. What do I care? It's, it is about the music industry in general, but it also has some really good character acting, some good twists, even in just this first episode. If the music is your thing, you'll get a really good dose of that that I think that you'll enjoy. But I mean, if you want to talk about it, I mean, Susan Sarandon's a name you're going to think of right off the bat. Don't sleep on Tracy Adkins either. He's a legit actor as well. I mean, you get him because he's a good musical performer, but at the same time, his acting skills are really up to par in this show, especially the dynamic between the father and the children in this show is really, really evident in this first episode. And that really kind of plays into how the dynamics go through. But I got to say, Anna Friel, who plays Nikki, was a really standout performer in this show for me. Nikki's going through a lot. Like, there's a lot of pressure on Nikki in this family. And you sort of already see it pushing her in this first episode, which is something that, you know, is it going to light a spark or is it not? That is something that's one of the things that we're going to have to figure out in this first season of the show. But there's so many ways that this can go. There's more than one surprise that caught me off guard in this first episode that I didn't see coming either. So there's a lot of different angles that can be at play here. And I'm not saying that this show is perfect because it's not perfect, but I will say it, it gets off to a really good start. And the one thing I'll say about this show, Monarch, is potential. Fox has a potential winner here. If things break right in these first few episodes, because you set the table nicely in this first episode, but that's kind of what you did. You gave me some good twists. You show me that you've got some good characters. You show me that there's a broader story here and that this is not a Yellowstone carbon copy. Okay, good. Now what do you do with it? 
because it's not what you present right away in a show. That's what gets you interested. Can you keep that going and keep it interesting without it being too campy going forward? Because that's the other thing that you got to really, really worry about here is, is this thing going to turn too campy or maybe even too ridiculous at times? Because that's where Riverdale lost me, right? Was that they just kind of went off the rails completely and just stuck with that. If Monarch can find that just linear progression of good storytelling and stick to what they're already doing good in the first episode, I think this show will be fine and one that you definitely don't want to miss. Try this show out, and if I'm crazy, let me know. At down in 3757 tweet me, say, you know, why are we still talking about this? You tell me, but I'm telling you, this is a show that you're going to want to at least give it a shot. September the 11th is the premiere date on Fox for Monarch. At least put it on your DVR if you don't watch it live. I want you to watch it live, but if you don't, throw it on your DVR. Give it a shot. What have you got to lose? I think what you'll find out is that I just told you about a really good show that you might have missed. That'll do it for my spoiler-free review of Monarch from Fox. Up next, let's tackle some nerd news. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, guys, this is Chloe Bennett from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. It's strike one for the new head of DC. It's time for nerd news. And you might have heard, I talked about the story before, that Dan Lin was in the running to be the new Kevin Feige, basically, of DC Films and TV. They're looking for somebody in that role at Warner Brothers Discovery. And it looks like that is not going to be happening. Multiple reports say the negotiations broke down and a deal did not get done. This is not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing because I didn't think that Dan Lin was like the slam dunk name that they needed to get. Do I have that name off the top of my head? No, but I don't get paid millions upon millions of dollars to make these decisions. So it's not like I I really, you can't blame me for not having a better idea. This isn't my call. I, I just want the right person for the job. And if it's a name that I'm not going to think of off the top of my head, that's fine. But what I'm saying is, is that when... When you go to somebody, it feels like you're going to your first choice, right? You're assuming that's what's happening anyway. The first choice that you thought of that was available. And when you don't get that first choice, it makes you go, huh, well, why weren't they able to get this deal done? And it could be for any number of different reasons. So I'm not going to go ahead and speculate on this because I don't really think that's fair at this stage. But what it does make me wonder is, okay, well, how long is this going to take? before we actually find out who this is going to be. I don't need a, this decision rushed. I want it to be right. But at the same time, there's not a lot of good news coming out of Warner Brothers Discovery. I've been talking about them every week, and every week it seems like it's something that's going away, not something that is actually coming to pass. So, But as much as the new CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, the new merged company, David Zaslav, now we know how much that he seems to love Todd Phillips, who did the Joker movie and things like that. Are we just kind of drifting towards the idea that Todd Phillips is going to take this job? And is that a good thing? I don't know the answer to either. I would not be surprised if it ends up being Todd Phillips. But at the same time, I think that whoever this is going to be is going to need some sort of reassurance that they're going to have the creative control they need to make the movies and the TV shows and the decisions that need to be made to get to where the DC product needs to be. Now, does 
Warner Brothers does Discovery have the right vision for DC? I don't know. I think that the whole reason they're looking for somebody to do this is to find somebody who has that vision and trust them to bring it about, just like Marvel Studios did with Kevin Feige. Now, was there still some oversight there from Bob Iger and company? Absolutely, at the time there was. But at the same time, they trusted him to choose the right directors, the right producers, the right cast members, and so on and so forth to create the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And here we are, you know, 12, 13 years later, and, you know, the rest is history sort of thing. So you've got to find that person. That person's not easy to find. I mean, it's like finding lightning in a bottle. This thing doesn't grow on trees, per se. So you have to consider that this is not an easy thing to do. And does Todd Phillips tell you that he's that guy that can make those decisions and pick the right people to go in the right places? I don't know that he is that guy. Just because the Joker movie was successful doesn't mean that he's going to be able to build this empire. All I know is, is that this person is out there, male or female, this person is out there. Now, whether or not they're going to be able to find them and make this decision and then trust said person, and how do you create that trust, right? That's the other thing. Does your first, do your first couple of decisions have to go right? Do the first couple of movies or shows or whatever have to go well in order for you to actually say, okay, this is the right person. And also, on the flip side of that, what makes you punt on the person? that you chose saying, you know what, you know, we made a mistake. We're going to have to go back and do this again. But I think one of the reasons that they need to take their time with this is they need to get this right. If they don't get this right, it's going to be a even worse look than it was before. Plus, I think that, you know, whether you're a DC fan or not, I'm a diehard DC fan. I've grown up on, grew up on DC, always loved DC. If you've listened to the show over the years, you know that I want this right. That's all I want. I want DC to be at least, I mean, do I need them to be Marvel Studios? No, I don't. I don't need to get to get that far. I just need good stories and the characters that I love to be brought to life in a good way. And I've actually liked some of the movies that have come out in the last few years. But at the same time, I just want this decision to be a good one. And I want it to be done properly. I don't think that's too much to ask. And I'm really hoping that they can find the right person to make the right decision on this one. Because I'm just, I'm waiting for that day to finally happen. Not doing any Disney plot, not doing any D23 news because, of course, I had to record this show before that happens. Follow downandnerdypodcast.com and social media at downandnerdy757 on Twitter and Instagram to get that news as it happens. I'll be talking about a lot of that next week, but there are a few trailers that I wanted to talk about and a really cool new series that's going to be coming to Prime Video called The Peripheral, and it comes out on October the 21st going to be e- going to be weekly releases. It's actually based on a story from William Gibson. Now, it basically follows this woman named Flynn who's played by Chloe Grace Moretz. And it's your typical, you know, you know, talents being wasted in a small town sort of thing until she finds sh- this place where she thinks she's doing virtual reality games for rich people. And then she finds out that you can drop the V because it's reality in this futuristic society. And all of a sudden there's, you know, all this crazy fight for your life stuff type stuff going on. And the first trailer shows that. And it is just freaky. It's bonkers. It's from the same people that created Westworld for TV for HBO. So that, you know, that there's going to be some crazy stuff going on, just going into that mindset. And it did have some Westworld vibes to this trailer. Once you looked at it, This thing just looks and sounds 
freaking cool. I'm just going to say, I mean, I know that sounds simple and maybe a little bit, you know, juvenile, but that's exactly what it seemed like to me. It just seemed cool. And I can't wait to see the rest of this thing and dive into the peripheral on October the 21st from Prime Video. I want to talk about a couple of freaky things. We've got Halloween coming up next month. How about Wendell and Wild? This is the this is from Jordan Peele, of course, and then Henry Selleck, who did Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline. And this is the same kind of stop motion style as those two movies. It's got a really interesting character design and vibe to it. And it follows a girl named Cat, who clearly she she's a teenager. She's got a bit of a troubled past that she's haunted by. And something happens with her parents. You see that in the trailer. But imagine when you say you hear the expression facing your demons, right? Imagine if those demons actually had physical manifestation. That is where Wendell and Wilde come in. Physical manifestations of cats, demons. And that to me is a super interesting idea to bring up. I think that this could be a really and visually again, it just looks it looks just sort of off kilter and cool. So that is, uh, I've said cool like 60 times already when talking about these trailers. I'm just now realizing that. But the vibe of this thing is really neat. And you've got Keegan Michael Key who's going to be a part of this. Jordan Peele's going to be a part of the cast as well. You've also got Angela Bassett, James Hong, and Ving Rames. A really legit cast for this thing that's going to be coming out. And it'll be in theaters actually first on October the 21st. Then it'll drop on Netflix on October the 28th. So you get a couple of different ways that you can see this thing. But either way, I don't think you can go wrong. I think that this is, it's PG-13, so it might be pushing the boundaries of, of being for kids necessarily. But at the same time, I think that this is one that's, you know, just spooky enough that adults can enjoy it. But at the same time, I think you could watch this with your, certainly your older kids anyway, I think would be okay with this. And it, it just seems like it could be really neat. That is Wendell and Wild from Netflix. I debated on whether or not to talk about this one. And then I decided to, because why not? If Spirit Halloween stores are going to be popping up all over the place in your neighborhood like they are mine, why not talk about Spirit Halloween the movie, which is actually a thing that's going to be in theaters on September the 30th and on Digital HD on October the 11th. The gist of this thing is that there's these three young boys who sort of decide, you know, they're going to make the most of their Halloween adventure. They're going to spend the night in a creepy, you know, spirit Halloween store that is in this really creepy neighborhood part of town. And that's how they're going to spend their Halloween. Well, little did they know that someone years ago died in this area and would be coming to life inside the store and possessing objects and people that were inside of it. So that's, that's exactly what's going on here. And your main villain, by the way, your main ghost, I should say, is going to be played by Christopher Lloyd which you don't usually see him in roles like this. So that to me is very, very neat. But it's, it's, not, like, it's not like a clerk's type of situation where, where you, when you first hear about it, you, could think, you think that it might be that's what it's going to be because it's Spirit Halloween, the movie. It's actually taking, it's almost like the ultimate product placement movie, but at the same time trying to make like a B-horror movie around that at the same time because that's exactly how this feels. It feels like a B-movie. It feels like, you know, it's it's a little bit Goosebumps-esque. And, and that's part of the description that they send you in the press release. So it kind of does have that vibe. And part of that's because of the, of the young cast, I think. But then you see all of these things you would normally see in a Spirit Halloween store coming to life. 
and around this, I don't know if I can call it interesting yet because I don't know enough about it, but around this ghost story that is involved here too. So this is one of those things where you're either going to enjoy it for what it is, or you're going to go on social media and bash it up and down because you can sort of thing. So if you're planning on seeing Spirit Halloween the movie, I think you you need to go into this with the mind of that B-movie mindset of this is just going to be one of those things where it's not going to be super scary, I don't think, anyway. There might be a few jump scares in there from what I've seen in the trailer. But this is one where it's like, it's going to be maybe a little bit silly. It's going to be fun. Maybe if we're lucky, it's a little bit interesting. But I got to tell you, the fact that they're even doing this at all and this is actually coming out, I didn't. I thought this was a joke when I first heard about it so, you know, a few months ago. This is a real thing. And I, I, I don't know. I think curiosity alone is going to make me want to see this thing, honestly. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, don't forget D23 News is going to be coming next week. I'll be popping on social media to talk about it as well. But also make sure you're following along at downandnerdypodcast.com. Also follow at downandnerdypod on TikTok because I'm going to be posting videos there maybe about this, some of these announcements as well. Don't forget we're part of the Realm Networks. Make sure you're subscribing to us on the Realm app. Also, you can go to the Realm website as well. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, just search for Down and Nerdy Podcast, and we'll be there for you. Remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly, and be good to your fellow nerds. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.